minutes a day, 365 days a year. This is the Pack-A-Day Podcast. This is the Wednesday edition of the Pack-A-Day Podcast presented by the Blue Wire Podcast Network. How you doing, everybody? Happy Hump Day, and we continue our NFL draft coverage here on the Pack-A-Day Podcast. It's your last weekly team that you have to be introduced to, and I have the pleasure of doing so. How you doing, everybody? I'm Alex Strofe. You can connect with me on Twitter at Alex underscore Strofe. And as we do for the draft each year here on the Pack-A-Day Podcast, we bring in the guys that know the most, and it's my honor to be joined the next couple of weeks each Wednesday uh, by Owen Reese. You can find him on Twitter at Reese, R-I-E-S-E, Draft. Owen, how you doing, buddy? Good to see you. Yeah, man. Thanks for having me. It's uh, always a pleasure as we head up to the draft here, talk some, uh, talk some big uglies, the most athletic men on the field. So it's always good with me. The big uglies he he alludes to, of course, are the interior offensive linemen, which we'll be diving into quite a bit in the next few weeks. Um, so Reese, our residential offensive line expert. How about Mr. 22 also with us, Russell Brown, which you can find <laughs> at Russ NFL Draft on Twitter. What's up, Russell? How are you today, buddy? Fellas, I'm doing great. Appreciate you bringing me on and bringing me back, even though I'm not a Packers fan. But, uh, you know, it's always fun getting a draft with you guys and I, I like uh, I like interacting with Packers fans because they're cool people yeah well I appreciate that I'd only took you what about uh, 90 seconds not even to make Packer fans <laughs> dislike you a little bit but I think we'll get through it I think we'll do okay uh, because you're going to provide some awesome analysis for us here in the next couple weeks as we ramp up to the NFL draft day one of the NFL draft only 22 days away we're, we're ramping up real fast and uh, we're ready to get into it so uh, on the agenda today guys we want to dive into four interior offensive line prospects those are going to be Quinn Miners out of UW Whitewater and Reese uh, formerly a, uh, a graduate assistant coach working with the offensive line at Whitewater so he's going to give us some great perspective on Quinn maybe the sweetheart of the senior bowl earlier this year we'll also look at Landon Dickerson a center out of Alabama We'll look at Elijah Vera Tucker, probably the top ranked guy we'll look at today. Played left tackle at USC, potentially a guard in the pros, but we'll take a look at him here in a little bit. And our final prospect today will be Creed Humphrey, the Big 12 Offensive Lineman of the Year this year out of Oklahoma. So, guys, let's waste no time. Let's dive right in with Quinn Miners. Now, he played left guard in college. Uh, looking maybe he'll be elsewhere. He played center at the aforementioned Senior Bowl earlier this calendar year. But a D3 guy, a guy out of the WIAC like myself, um, and we love to see it. So, Owen, we'll start with you. As I mentioned, you, you were a graduate assistant working with the offensive line. You know Quinn real well. It's got to be really neat to see him in a position like he's in. Yeah, it's been a complete thrill, um, you know, just knowing that getting to know Quinn over the 2019 season for the fall of 2019 was my first year at Whitewater and then uh, finished up this past December. Obviously, we didn't have a fall season this past year, but just, um, you know, just being being able to be around him, um, you know, he's is a great character guy, for lack of a better word. I mean, he's he, not a, not always a really big vocal leader, but um, definitely a lead by example guy and, and extremely intrinsically motivated. And, um, you know, I voted as a junior captain at, at Whitewater is no small feat um, at, at a program with that pedigree. So uh, I probably should have known heading in uh, kind of, you know, what a special person along with a special player. And yeah, absolutely. Um, blew up the senior bowl and I, I, I couldn't be more proud. I don't want to be too soapboxy here, but um, he's a great kid and I'm extremely excited to see where he ends up here in the draft. 
No doubt about it. And, uh, you know, I called him the senior bowl sweetheart earlier, the handsomest man in that game. No doubt about it. Uh, as, as, you know, quite a, quite a bit of things from him went viral over the course of the senior bowl, but Oh, and big strengths for Quinn Miners. What sticks out to you, obviously, as you were up close and personal with him. Yeah. I mean, the first thing that pops out, um, you know, and this was at a, obviously very apparent at the division three level, but then, um, you know, just as apparent, at, at the senior bowl is it's just his physicality in the run game, um, being able to generate movement, displace defenders from the line of scrimmage, uh, I think is a huge thing. And I think that to a certain extent, it is a physical ability, but also, um, you know, there's, there's a skill to it as well. You know, there's a lot of strong dudes in the NFL, uh, that don't move people off of the football like Quinn does. I do think it's a bit of a mindset, uh, but that's the first thing just, uh, you know, he imposes his will, um, you know, physically on the defender, and, and that really starts to wear on you throughout the game. I know he joked around that um, the defensive tackle from Texas, I can't think of his first name off the top of my head, but his last name is Graham. Um, he joked around with Quinn after the second day of practice and kind of, you know, like, dude, like, can't you go home? Like, haven't you already shown enough? <laughs> you know, so, um, you know, that's the first thing. And then again, I, th- I think the big thing too, like that I, I've been maybe even continually impressed with, with Quinn is his ability to pick up, uh, the playbook. I mean, there's never going to be an, uh, a shortage of effort to prepare on his part. Like I said, he is extremely internally motivated. I don't think that anyone he's, he's never going to allow anyone to outwork him. Um, you know, but someone that admit, I think he would admit wasn't the biggest like football nerd, or, or didn't have a, a huge, huge grasp on football IQ heading into college. And then even as a junior, um, you know, when I coached him and, and through this past spring and fall, was really kind of continuing to hone and, and improve his knowledge of the game. Um, and, you know, for, so for him to go down to, to Mobile at the Senior Bowl, and, and obviously it's a vanilla playbook. It's fairly watered down for the sake of time and installing to players that have never done it before. Um, you know, I think his command of the offense, as far as the offensive line making the calls, playing center is a big adjustment for him responsibility wise. And, and I think he did that well. So I think those are two things, you know, moving forward, you know, you're automatically going to get from Quinn. You're going to get a, a plus run blocker the second that he gets drafted to whatever team he goes to. And then secondly, again, and it's, you know, kind of somewhat it is him as a person, but then also his his ability to, to process and continue to develop. Um, you know, as a football player, you know, if he does play center, I think those are two big things right away that kind of jump off that, you know, yeah, this kid was put in a not necessarily an advantageous position, but he took full advantage of it. And I think that's uh, an extremely encouraging sign moving forward to whatever offensive line coach or offensive coordinator he ends up with. Well said. Yeah, draft season means uh, a couple things, but but one that I uh, love seeing uh, on the Twitter sphere is RAS, the relative athletic score. I saw this come across my feed on Tuesday. 9.98 out of 10 for Quinn Miners. Uh, ridiculous score uh, on the RAS. So, Russ, we'll, we'll toss it to you. Quinn Miners, what have you seen out of him on his take? Yeah, I mean, I, I haven't watched him a ton because, I mean, let's be honest, there's not a, a ton out there on a Fair. player like that. And we didn't get a ton of all 22 on him. I probably could have hit up Owen and probably got it. But I was going to say, I might know a guy. Yeah, and, you know, it's probably fault on my part. But maybe I'll do it over the coming weeks before the draft. But it, I, I do remember Owen bringing him up to me two years ago. And it was like, okay, man, like I'll keep an eye out. And just, you know, obviously life happens and you move forward. But 
like Owen's been talking about him forever and just watching him at the senior bowl and seeing the, the practices and everything like that. Like I thought the lateral quickness was pretty good. And I thought the way he moved out in space. And again, you talk about physicality. I mean, this guy was literally putting dudes in the dirt guys that, you know, we, we always talk about if, if somebody had to bring up a weakness, they'd be like, Oh, well, you know, he, he played at a D three school. He didn't play division one football every single week. But during that week, again, he was taking guys like from Texas and putting them in the dirt consistently. And I love positional versatility. I love versatility. I love the word. And it's a key thing for me with offensive linemen. And some of the guys we're going to talk about tonight, it, they, they are versatile. And, and he's one of those guys to play guard, to play center, to move around all over the place. It just goes to show how talented you truly are and the different responsibilities that come with those positions because each position's a little bit different. I mean, yeah, your main goal is to block the guy in front of you, but at the end of the day, like there is different responsibilities with everything. And when, when you play center and you're able to do those things efficiently, that really stands out. So, I mean, honestly, if the Seattle Seahawks were picking in the first round, he'd probably be their pick, but (laughs) they're not picking in the first (laughs) round. And it's just one of those things where I, I, I I love the player. I love what I've seen from him. And I I think he's going to go, you know, I would have to think probably somewhere in that top 50, top 60 range. I'm excited. I'm excited for him. Yeah, it's not often you see a D3 offensive lineman in the, in the first two rounds, but this is one of those rarities in Quinn Miners. Uh, been a lot of fun to see his rise, and we mentioned, you know, th- there is that one knock, Russ, that you mentioned, right? He's a D3 guy. Maybe he hasn't seen the, the, the best talent or the best competition, but when you do what he did back in January, go to the Senior Bowl and kind of take the world by storm, that's something you have to pay attention to. So certainly uh, certainly been a lot of fun to watch the rise of, of Miners. Um, but, but like Russ said, somewhere in the 50 to 60 range is that kind of what you're expecting too Reese yeah I mean I I, selfishly I want him to go as high as he can Um, but yeah I think somewhere around 60 I know Quinn's Quinn is texting when he texted me his goal is he he wants his goal is he wants to be the highest drafted d3 player um you know ever I I don't know obviously it's not up to us fully you know like there's not much he can do to control that at this point but um, you know, anywhere from 60 to 75 or so, I would really start to think at his pro day, his agent, um, you know, said that he would be shocked at this point if he got out of the top 75. So I, that's yeah, that 60 to 75 ballpark, probably. Sure. Uh, the number to beat is pick number 61, the highest drafted ever D3 player. So it's it's doable. It's in that range that we're talking about. Uh, but we'll be will be fun to see. All right. Let's move on uh, to a, a guy that played center. Um, has had a lot of injury issues, including an ACL tear back in December, and that's Landon Dickerson, the center out of Alabama, uh, was with Florida State for three years from 16 to 18 as well. Russ, we'll start with you. Landon Dickerson, what jumps out for you? Absolutely love the player. I mean, how can you not? He's just a, a fun player to watch. Everything he does from the interviews, the things that he does on the field, and I mean, how heartbreaking was it when he, you know, came out on the field and everybody, you know, when he got hurt and everybody was out there for him. And it just goes to show the leader that he is. Uh, the biggest concern with him is obviously the, the four injuries in five years. He's had four season ending injuries in five years, but his length at six, six and that size to play center. And I mean, he's essentially the size of an offensive tackle to be able to do that as an interior offensive lineman really stands out. I love how well he moves players. Um, he, you know, he's, he's very, very strong. And, and that's one of those things where when you, you talk about the physicality of a player, you, you, you never want to see a guy lose ground. You want to see them re- be able to reset their hands and anchor. And he does it efficiently. And I, I love the way he communicates. Again, I, I mentioned the leadership. So 
Dickerson's one of those guys that I think if, if it wasn't for the injuries, we'd probably be talking about him as a first-round lock at this point. But because of the injuries, I mean, it's, he's, he's obviously not in that conversation as much. But love the player. Um, I think any team is, is fortunate to get him because he's just a, he's a football guy. Now, how far of a drop can we expect, Russ? I mean, obviously, four season-ending injuries in five years is, is certainly concerning for, for obvious reasons. Yeah, I mean, I think you'd, you'd have to think somewhere in that second or third round range. I okay. think he's certainly a day two pick at this point. Uh, if if we're talking, you know, top seventy five, I think that's probably a fair assumption at this point. May, you know, may, maybe he goes eighty two or eighty three or something like that. But again, I, I would be pretty shocked if he fell out of the first three rounds. Fair, fair enough. Yeah, we'll, we'll move over to you, Reese. What what are the initial takeaways for Landon Dickerson for you? Oh uh, yeah, I mean, the first thing is it, he's just a joy to watch. Um, you know, and you and obviously add Alabama, right? Like the SEC and NFL talent and all those cliches. But um, you know, he's consistently knocking dudes to the ground, um, especially in pass protection. I think remember Cole Kubelik uh, does a lot of coverage for the SEC Network. He's a former offensive lineman at Auburn, um, and and so he he spends a lot more time than the traditional media um, watching the offensive line. And I remember at one point. You know, just the thing. I mean, I swear I've seen this clip before, but if you go back, it's just a different clip of him taking, a, like, as as a center, if he's not occupied, taking another defensive tackle on a stunt or who's engaged with someone else and just absolutely cleaning up uh, and, and knocking them to the ground. And I was like, wow, like it, he's just posted a different clip the last four different weeks, um, you know, because he does that so often. He's, he's a fun guy to watch play. He's extremely emotional. Um, another thing as this may be a, a small thing or inconsequential, but he like when a defensive lineman jumps off sides, he's so demonstrative and like <laughs> point out and like laugh and jump up and down at the D lineman um, for jumping off sides. He's just, he's a fun guy that way. You, you know, we've seen, you know, he's doing cartwheels and climbing up behind Max Jones, at the pro day. So he's obviously a very fun loving, um, you know, a big personality, to, but he's, I mean, on the field, he's everything you could want out of a center. He's actually really only played center for about a year and a half. He played, um, you know, guard at Alabama his first few games there, and that's mostly what he played at Florida State. Um, you know, but he, he has played all five positions throughout his college career. But, uh, I mean, he's a guy that, you know, and Russ is right. I mean, I, he may be – Panay Sewell is very, very good. I and mean, this isn't really a, a conversation or an argument that I really want to get into. But, like, Landon Dickerson might be the best offensive lineman in the draft from, like, a, a pure blocking people perspective – um, but you know the the he's torn the same ACL twice. Um, you know, had two other season-ending injuries. It, it's extremely concerning, um, and it's a shame because, like I said, this kid really is that talented and that good. Uh, and, and I was really happy to see him at Alabama because over the past, uh, I don't know, it's really probably really since Jameis left Florida State or, or even those teams, the the offensive line coaching at Florida State has Putrid. been <laughs> terrible. Yes, um, so it's. The, the the level of talent that they get into Florida State and the lack of people that they can block is been extremely frustrating um, just as a football fan over the past few years. So him getting to Alabama and him flourishing like this, I couldn't be happier for him as a kid. Um, you know, and, and hopefully he gets his look. I would be like, I, this is probably a bit early, truthfully, but like if I was the Cincinnati Bengals, I'd be awful hard pressed to not take him at thirty five or wherever they pick. Um, you know, to protect Joe Burrow you know like that's 
if if you want to emphasize that, you know, I mean, that's that's a big like get your center, boom, done, yeah. or, or guard wherever he's going to play. But that's where I would probably start to really consider him um, is at the beginning of the second round. We saw Miles Jack and Jalen Smith, um, you know, a little bit different injury situations, but similar, you know, that kind of damaged goods going that early second round range. I think that's probably somewhere around there would be about right. Uh, risk and reward is certainly the case with, with Dickerson. Uh, the injury is concerning, but but you mentioned it. One of the best prospects, you know, purely in this draft, at least in the interior offensive line, certainly uh, been a joy to watch, been really solid. Russ, I do want you to respond to what Reese said. He said maybe behind Sewell, the, the best offensive line prospect. Do you agree? Man, that's a ooh, that's a that's a that's a fun conversation because I, I'm not really opposed to the the idea of it because he I mean he is truthfully so good and he's just one of those guys that like like he said, he, he's always looking for work, he's always on the move, he's always trying to do the right thing in the in the middle of the field for his offensive line. And to be that fun of a player is I, I I love the fit of him going to potentially like Cincinnati. I love that. It, that's tough. I, the only thing that I would you know necessarily disagree with is just simply the position. If we're talking like maybe position value, the the value of the position. But again, I, I think all five positions on the offensive line have some value to it. But if Panay Sewell can become that you know franchise left tackle for you, I think that might hold a little bit more value to it. But again, it, it's close. I mean. His tape is phenomenal. His tape is some of the best for any interior offensive lineman I've watched in, in recent years. Just from you know when he's healthy and he's on the field, so it, that's close. I uh, I'm going to just lead towards no though. I'm okay, just going to go go ahead and say it. Fair enough. I mean, he's but you you value him right up there, and, and that's totally yeah. fair. Uh, but you, you guys both mentioned the Cincinnati fit, guys. I think any offensive lineman fits in fine at Cincinnati because Joe Burrow literally yeah. could have had a workers' compensation lawsuit on his hands last year, <laughs> the way he got beat up uh, in his rookie year in Cincinnati. So uh, Dickerson, uh, certainly a fun one. That was a fun one to break down. Nice stuff there. Let's go to another fun one. That's going to be a, a ton of fun to break down. Russ, you mentioned the word versatile earlier. That's literally the only note I have for Elijah Vera Tucker. Uh, he played left tackle at USC, maybe a guard in the pros. I'll get your guys take on that but versatility 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 Russ yeah he's one of those guys I mean he's got experience at left guard right guard and left tackle for USC he played left tackle this past year he played left guard the year before um, so that positional versatility is key I mean I think you can plug and play him pretty much anywhere on offensive line and he should have success there's going to be the the short arm argument and uh, I mean he's under 33 inches as far as arm length goes I think it was like 32 and a quarter um, if anybody wants to get exacts there but I mean active hands he resets quickly I love the fluidity and weight transfer from his post foot to his set foot I, I think he does a tremendous job there and to be able to have that flexibility and that ability uh, to, to just move around like that is so key. Um, I, I thought he climbed really well and operated in space. So he's one of those guys, again, I think you plug and play him at left guard or, or right guard. Um, and, and teams like Minnesota, and obviously being that this is a Packers podcast, and I'm a Lions fan, so we got to worry about Minnesota at 14. I think he makes a ton of sense for them at 14. Um, I wouldn't be surprised if New England fell in love with him at 15. I just, I truthfully think he's a top 20 pick, and I love his skill set. Um, and again, one of those guys that if if we're talking, if we had to like rank some of the the best pure talent, uh, I think you get a lot to work with and potential, but also just his his film is a lot of fun to watch. 
No doubt about it. 32 and an eighth, Russ. You were real close. 32 and an eighth for the arms. Uh, Owen, we'll, we'll jump over to you. Uh, Elijah Vera Tucker, certainly a really, really fun offensive line prospect. No, but he's he's really he's a, an impressive player um, from the aspect. You can really tell that he adjust, it took him a couple games to adjust to the space at tackle coming from guard. Um, you know, there's, there's a guy uh, on Twitter a few years ago who I always use this, um, a, a former Twitter user, but he always compared that playing interior offensive line is like a mosh pit and playing a tackle is like a ballet, right? There's so much more space and time you have to utilize out there. Everything happens slower on the outside than it does um, in close quarters. And I think that's something that you could tell he adjusted to, uh, but you can tell he like, he's ready to go. Um, he jump sets a lot. He really kind of wants to kind of bring the fight to the D lineman, um, which I think that probably lends him to, um, you know, ending back up at guard uh, in the NFL. I, I do think one thing, and I don't mean this in a bad way either, he's more of a grabber than a puncher, um, which I think is going to, um, you know, acclimate him well into the NFL instead of trying to simply overpower everybody, right, kind of corral them. You see a lot of that with, um, you know, there, I think there's a, a YouTube video about how the, the Packers, quote-unquote, get away with holding every play. Um, but you see guys like David Octiari or Brian Bulaga is a really, really good one. You can tell are there more grabbers than strikers or punchers. And I think that Vera Tucker uh, is in a similar mold of that. I think that's something that, you know, we kind of talked about this. I don't think he gets to Green Bay, but for a team that is looking for interior line, uh, interior offensive line answers – um, you know, and with with a guy like Elton Jenkins at left guard who played center in college, um, you know, that's if to me, I think the Packers are probably sprinting to the, the uh, to the stand with Elijah Vera Tucker's name on the card. Uh, if he gets to 29 and I think you plug and play him at left guard and I just think you you don't worry about it. Um, but he's a guy to me, like I said, he's moves like a guard or he's very athletic, but he plays like a guard and he moves like a guard. And to me, I think mm-hmm. that. He took one for the team and played a tackle for USC, but I think moving forward is, um, you know, his his translation is pretty straightforward. If a team really kind of fell in love with him there, I mean, I don't hate the concept of like putting him at tackle and letting him fail first before you necessarily move him inside. But I mean, to me, if I'm drafting him, he's playing left guard and he's going to be a really good one for a long time. I, I don't mean to cut off here. I got a question for Owen on this. And I, I love your assessment of saying, like, you know, he's got a, you know, kind of that grabber's mentality. Do you think that's got anything to do with the fact that, you know, when he played left tackle, and this happened a lot when he was playing left tackle, Austin Jackson played there last year. He loved using a snatch trap technique. And I wonder if that's just something maybe like their offensive line tries to teach. And maybe that's something that he was trying to grasp. Do you think that has anything to do with that at all? And he just couldn't get it done because he doesn't have long enough arms, you know, like, I I don't know. I I think you're, I'm probably wrong on this. I'm probably way off, but do you think that has anything to do with it? No, I certainly think the arm, the arm length has something to do with it. Uh, You know, as far as like, especially like the more, advanced levels of offensive line play and the more cerebral these guys are like you know what you can want to accomplish but like knowing what you want to do and being able to do it can at times be two different things or mm-hmm. you know and especially if you're playing like a longer defensive lineman like it, it it's awful tough to get in there sometimes and that's where i think he wants to play close because he knows he doesn't have super long arms so i think that's a guy like a situation where um you know he can kind of take advantage of that but yeah i I know what you're talking about with the jackson thing but yeah 
Jackson was you know, what six six and I had longer arms for sure. Yeah, so yeah, yeah. I think just yeah, it's. I mean, it could very well could be a coaching point, you know. But at a certain point, I think it's just kind of a like a play style and kind of how he wants to do. Um, you know, a lot of people like even at guard, right? Like, and and I don't mean to to extend this. We don't want to go over time here, but like a lot of guards, and this is how I played as well. Was like I was not a super punishing like. You know, I'm gonna punch you in the chest plate and and take your breath away. I'm much more kind of kind of grab and, and kind of wrangle you, kind of figure out, let you go where you want to go, and then I'll just shield you. Um, you know, and that's kind of where he, I don't want to say like finesse because it's not, but that's much more of a thing for me. I don't think Vera Tucker is going to um, you know drive anybody six seven yards back and put him in the dirt, but. Uh, you know, he can get some initial movement and then really just kind of be really smart and know how to position his body and use that athleticism. I think that's more his wheelhouse. Totally fair. I, I do want to ask one more thing on Vera Tucker real quick, because I think, you know, you, we brought up the Packers depth, a little bit concerning, something they'll definitely address. At least we anticipate in the draft later this month. Is there a number in the first round where Vera Tucker drops to that you think Brian Gutekunst needs to move up and get this guy? Or is this somebody that, that maybe you don't go out of your way to get? We know Gutekunst has a history of trading up in the first round. So is there a number for, for Elijah Vera Tucker where you'd be sitting on your couch and saying, holy crap, Gutekunst, go get this guy? Uh, I, I would hesitate to say, I don't know, maybe, I, I, I'm, I'm not making the decisions here. I would hesitate to say that. Um, you know, just because of the, the depth of this class and at a certain point, like if you were, if, if he was like far and away, the Packers top target and he got past maybe like 21 or two. Yep. That's right where I was going to say, you know, but like, I mean, if he, if it gets to 24 or five, I'd probably rather try to let it ride out and and do whatever. Cause like, and this is a different conversation, but at 29, if the Packers took Alex Leatherwood from Alabama, who is a left tackle for Alabama, but has also played guard for them as well, like that's someone that I could see them saying, like, well, we're just going to plop him in at guard. And I don't think there's a ton of drop there, right? Like I do think Vera Tucker's a better player, but so that's kind of where I'm I'm more apprehensive. If they are 100% hell-bent on taking Vera Tucker early 20s, you know, but like if it gets any more past that, like, I would not. I wouldn't even rather, you know, take the risk of, you know, I, I'd I'd kind of let it ride out and see where it goes because the closer it gets, what's it's almost like one of the things like, well, what's the point? Like, what are we going to give up sure. at a certain point here? So and maybe I'm backwards and maybe that's the wrong way to think about <laughs> it. But I would be more like if you're not going to be hyper aggressive about it, I just wouldn't even worry about it. Fair enough, Ross. You're in the same boat. It sounds. Yeah. If 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 he was my top player by a landslide then yeah obviously 21 22 i'm running to the podium making the call and saying hey give me this this and that and i'll I'll do this for you but ultimately yeah i would let it ride i would because again realistically i don't think he's going to slide but uh it could be wrong but yeah no i I would definitely go with that route alex letterwood's a great choice i think deontay brown is also a really nice choice trey smith even out of tennessee if if everything checks out and he can fix just some things with his lower body i think he's a really fun player as well so uh there's there's, it's just a fun offensive line group altogether it really is we're gonna dive into it the next couple wednesdays and uh this has already been a lot of fun we got one more guy i want to dive into but the, the rest of this month gonna be uh gonna be a lot of fun to break down uh some of these interior offensive line now let's get to our last prospect for today and we're talking about accolades here with maybe the most badass name we're talking about how about creed humphrey that's a name (laughs) 
center out of Oklahoma. He's a freshman All-American in 2018. He's Big 12 co-offensive lineman of the year in 2019. He was the Big 12 solo offensive lineman of the year in 2020, as well as a first-team Big 12 selection. Accolades, 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 and a great name, Creed Humphrey. Owen, what do we see out of uh, the Oklahoman Humphrey? So he's a guy that, you know, if you've been following the draft, you've seen quite a bit. You know, you've kind of been wondering. You wondered if he was going to come out last year, uh, and, and he kind of surprised and went back. He's a guy. He's been, you know, obviously you mentioned all those accolades. Started as a redshirt freshman in 2018 on an offensive line where the other four players all got drafted, including Orlando Brown. Um, you know, I think that was the highest drafted, the, the tackle from Baltimore. Um, you know, very well coached. Bill Bedenbaugh is one of the best offensive line coaches in the country, pro or college. Um, so he had Oklahoma there. You know, he's been taught right. And we mentioned the RAS, the relative athletic score for Quinn earlier. Uh, Quinn is at center, the second most athletic center to ever test out in that formula. The only guy in front of him was Creed Humphrey. Uh, so a guy that, and truthfully, like when I watched his film, did not jump off the page as this guy will test as the most athletic center in the last 24 years or whatever the, or 30, however many years that the system goes back, but he did. Um, and so he's a guy that he's extremely polished. They run a little bit of everything at Oklahoma. They run a lot of like GT, uh, gap counter stuff, which is really interesting to watch. Um, the only thing that I, I struggle with at times with big 12 offensive linemen, and this is no one's fault in particular, but like, Pass protection eval in the Big 12 can be often difficult because mm-hmm. there's so many three-man fronts and, and extremely, like, I don't want to say passive again, but there's so many teams in the Big 12 that consistently drop seven and eight guys that more so a lot of the defensive linemen are just, like, truthfully, like, space-eating and kind of just trying to occupy the offensive linemen rather than truthfully rush them. So I think that's something that, like, for me personally, I struggle to eval of some Big 12 guys at times. Uh, but Humphrey's a guy that it's it's one of the um, you know one of the most like easy evals everywhere else, and there are no glaring weaknesses or flaws. You know he's been extremely well coached. He's a three year starter um, at a very good program. He's a guy that was a fourth year junior that went to the Senior Bowl. Um, you know, so he's a guy. I mean, he's as clean of a prospect as you can have outside of that and again like i said then the i wouldn't have i wouldn't have guessed that he was one of the most athletic offensive linemen to test ever but then he ended up doing that so i mean to me he's the guy that um you know in that early second round range he's kind of fallen off i think of a year or so ago he might have been in the top 15 of mock drafts and maybe you know as far as we know some team in the, in the to mid to late first round is going to still value him that way uh but he's a guy that and i think that early the second round probably comes off the board and someone um, you know, a, a team we mentioned earlier with Minnesota, if they don't go offensive line in the first round, I think that he's a guy that they could really be targeting in the mid second round. That would be a slam dunk for them. They tried with Garrett Bradbury a couple of years ago. They tried with Pat Elfline a couple of years ago. They haven't really found that that kind of plug and play stalwart player there. I think Humphrey could be a guy there. And, and like I said, kind of give the Packers problems for the next 10 to 12 years. Super, super high praise from Owen uh, on Creed Humphrey. Russ, you, you feeling similar? Yeah, absolutely. I like the fit, too, there to end it in, in, with Minnesota. I mean, even with Drew Samia, who they drafted to play guard, I mean, you get some familiarity there uh, from, from Samia to Humphrey, and maybe those two guys can work together and it can kind of shore up some of their offensive line. Uh, but, yeah, I mean, he's a really clean prospect. Creed is one of those guys, like Owen mentioned, was – 
was really in that top 15, top 25 of mock drafts in the summer. And we get through the season and now he's, you know, really fallen off the radar. But I, like he said, I would have never guessed he would have been the most athletic center. And when I, I'm not a big pro comparison guy, but when I wrote it down, I was like, wow, you know, he kind of reminds me a little bit of like Cody White here in a sense. And maybe he could do some of the things there and play some of the positional versatility there of playing guard and center at the NFL level. And he's, again, one of those guys that, tested out of out of the charts. I mean, it's just incredible. But I love the the snap to step quickness that he has. He's very, you know, quick laterally, good hand placement. And while I'll agree the Big Twelve doesn't send a lot of blitzes, I thought from from some of the stuff that I saw, whether he was playing Iowa State, TCU, some of the blitzes that he did see, I thought he did a really good job being vocal and pointing those things out. He was always communicating. He's a strong communicator. And even just those pre-snap reads are so key for the development of a quarterback and really making your offense operate efficiently. So I, I like Creed Humphrey a lot. He's a really good reach blocker, probably would be a, a pretty good fit in a zone scheme. But like Owen said, you know, they do a lot of GT stuff there and, and, and all that stuff. So, I mean, probably somewhere in that early second round range is a great fit. Maybe the highest he could go is maybe like Pittsburgh at 24 if they're, if they're trying to replace Pouncey, if, if they feel like he's not going to be there on the second turn and if they value him really high. But, uh, I mean, there's there's just a ton of teams there that, that would make a lot of sense. I mean, maybe Miami at 36, Atlanta at 35 um, could, could really use him as well. Really clean uh, analysis. Not a whole lot of knocks on Creed Humphrey. So we've gone over four prospects. Uh, and before we go, I want to do a quick boomer bust round. I just want to know who the, who the biggest boom and maybe uh, the, the biggest uh, you know chance for a bust out of, out of this group would be. Miners, Dickerson, Vera, Tucker, and Humphrey. Uh, guys, who seems like the most boom likely? So I'm talking maybe borderline Hall of Famer on an offensive line. Who hits you as the biggest boom candidate? Owen, we'll start with you out of those four. So I'm also going to take a very short detour back to where we were just talking about. I think in the draft, uh, we as a uh, viewing public or analysts, I think can get, often get bored of consistency. Um, and I think that Creed Humphreys probably suffered from that. Like he was on radars as a freshman and has kind of fallen off and like has never really done anything wrong. People have just like learned about new people and, and, and found other prospects that have kind of maybe jumped him. So I just wanted to get that out of the way. I don't necessarily think he's done anything wrong out of that. Um, I'm going to be a homer and I'm going to, for the boom, I'm going to say Quinn. Uh, I mean, considering, right, like he's was a very under recruited division three player that Whitewater really only, um, kind of stumbled onto near the end. He's played uh, played two years of guard, really. He played tackle all through high school. Um, and while obviously that's a, a different tackle experience than he would at college or even in the pros, you know, as far as he's, in my opinion, can just starting to scratch the surface of what he's capable of. And, um, you know, in, in, in an NFL strength and conditioning program, I know he wants to play somewhere between 325 to 330 or so. Um, and, and with as athletic as he is and however, whatever he's, you know, capable of, I'm not sure that we're quite sure yet. So, um, I mean, this is probably a bias Homer pick for me, but I'm going to go with Quinn. Hey, I love it. Uh, we respect it. And at least you call it out. Self-awareness is good, but, uh, we talked about him certainly makes a lot of sense coming out of a D three program. And, you know, we saw what he's capable of at the senior bowl. So I like that pick Russ. What about you uh, for a boom product out of these four? Yeah, I'll go with Creed Humphrey. I'll play it safe. And again, I, I like Quinn. I, I think that could very well be the pick as well, uh, just off everything that we've talked about. But I'll go with Creed just for the simple fact that 
I mean, if he ends up going in the second round, I think he's going to be a tremendous value pick as well. Um, but as we talk about consistency, I mean, this guy could legitimately play 10, 10 to 12, maybe even 15 years in the NFL um, and just be consistent. And, and I mean, he played 37 straight games for Oklahoma. There's no reason to why. I mean, it, it's going to be one of those things when we, we get 10 years from now, he's going to end up being uh, one of those guys that we – we, we see and he you know he's played 145 straight games or something like that we're gonna be like oh yeah remember we talked about him on the pack a day podcast or something you know so <laughs> totally totally uh now let's do the boom now preface this with this right we're never cheering for kids to fail we're never cheering for prospects not to uh you know live up to uh you know their, their full potential but that's the reality of the national football league we talked about landon dickerson he's got the injury issues had the acl tear in december i think that might seem uh like the obvious choice for maybe maybe a bus product given that he's had four season ender ending injuries in five years but but owen when you look at a bust candidate of these four uh which one maybe might not live up to their full potential yeah, Landon Dickerson's a pretty easy pick for that. I mean, and it's like I said, truthfully, unfortunately, not much of fault of his own. You know, it's just, it's being 325 pounds, playing the most physical position in all of sports takes its toll. And obviously, as we've seen, you know, there's a certain point where your body just can't handle it anymore. Um, and unfortunately for Landon, he's already reached that point, or his body has, I should say, a couple of times. And like I said, it's no choice of his. Um, you know, but as far as He's the guy here with obviously the biggest pressing concerns. Um, And and I think that that's something that he's going to carry with him. You know, as far as like, I think a lot of teams are going to have the mindset, like until he proves to me that he can stay healthy, I don't know why I would believe it. And it's, you know, I guess that's kind of hard to think um, otherwise, you know, just because he's, he's only had one of the last five years where he's finished the season healthy. Um, and like I said, moving forward, the NFL, it's not like the NFL gets any easier or, or less physical. Um, so hopefully for him, his body holds up. Hopefully he never has another injury and, and plays for 15 years. And who knows, maybe we're talking about the Hall of Fame. Maybe he should have been the boom pick. Um, but, you know, it's, it's simply, you know, it's, it's the low-hanging fruit here. But at the moment, you know, like I said, it's just too big of a, a glaring um, issue to, to kind of omit. Yeah, no, no doubt about it. Definitely a freak athlete and a lot of fun to watch, but there, there are those concerns. Russ, are you going to go the same direction or you want to go a different one? Man, I'll, I'll go different just to be different, but uh, I, I will say I, I completely agree on the on the Dickerson there as far as the the potential of being just a bust for the simple fact not being able to stay healthy. If he can't do it at the college level, uh, it's hard to believe he can do it at the NFL level. But I'll, I'll say Elijah Vera Tucker just for the simple fact that if he does go to a team like Minnesota, and now we can all rip on the on the Vikings a little bit, but you know if you go 14th overall, you're going to have pretty high expectations. And if he doesn't, let's say he doesn't stay healthy or he just doesn't grasp what what's being kind of thrown his way in Minnesota and he falls into a similar situation as guys like Garrett Bradbury who struggled a little bit, Pat Eflin and all and all that stuff. So if he falls into that situation, then I, I think it could be we talk about him in two years and say, man, why did they take him 14th overall? But again, I'm, I'm just kind of reaching here just to be a little bit different. No, that's totally fair. And Owen made a good point earlier when we were talking about Vera Tucker, and that is, you know, if a team wants to place him at left tackle, that might be an opportunity for him to fail right out of the gates. And that might be something that you, you can't rebound from. So exactly. Uh, we'll, we'll certainly be be a fun, uh, a ton of fun to see how these guys 
turn out, and it's been a ton of fun uh, breaking it down with you guys uh, here in week one of our draft coverage. A couple weeks left as we ramp up. I mentioned it at the top. 22 days away from round number one of the NFL draft. That'll do it for the Wednesday edition of the Packaday podcast. Again, if you'd like to go find my new friends on Twitter and follow along with their draft analysis the next three weeks, you can do that. For Owen, it's at Reese, R-I-E-S-E, draft. And for us, it's at Russ. NFL draft. If you want to follow along with my daily shenanigans, you can do that too at Alex underscore Stroh. For Reese, for Russ, I'm Alex Stroh. Thanks so much for hanging with us. We'll talk to you real soon. Peace.